three, two, one. Hey, we are back. This is our weekly Sunday debrief at the beach. We're in our usual slightly sheltered from the wind spot. So for those of you guys who are questioning whether or not we actually did this outside at the beach, you might be able to hear the waves today because the wind is really going crazy. It's an absolutely, unbelievably gorgeous day here in Puerto Rico as Julie and I settle down to have a conversation about what's going on, what we're thinking about, and um, yeah, and obviously we're going to be covering some of the topics we've been talking about on the podcast all week, specifically the coronavirus. If you're listening to this as your first exposure to Tim and Julie Harris, I strongly encourage you to listen to at least the past few days uh, worth of podcasts on the coronavirus, and it's obviously an evolving, ongoing story, and Julie and I are going to be hopefully not spending too much time today talking about that, but it's uh, top of mind, so I wouldn't be surprised if we do end up meandering in that direction. I want to first off uh, start by saying, hey, Julie, happy birthday. Hey, you too. Yeah. Thank you. It was our birthday week. <laughs> it was. My birthday is on March 9th, and Julie's is on March 12th. And for those of you who are curious how old we are, we're not going to tell you. No. So there. And we had a lovely little trip to <laughs> a beautiful place called Amelia Island. Yeah. Brought Zoe with us. It was a nice little few-day break. So if you guys have never visited there, it's definitely worth the trip. It's just absolutely fantastic. So... I thought that was great. I'll tell them how old I am if you tell them how old you are. We'll say it at the same time. Ready? One, two, three. 39. <laughs> Julie just lied. <laughs> just kidding. Plus 10. There you go. Now it's truthful. <clears throat> yeah. So there you go. You know what's kind of cool is I sit here with Julie looking out at the ocean, and I think, you know, I reflect. It makes me contemplative. It's one of the reasons Julie and I like doing these debriefs. kind of takes us out of the kitchen, gives us an opportunity to have some perspective. But we have, you know, Julie and I met when she was, you know, in essence 16 and I was 17. And I'm 50 and she's 49. And I have to say, it's fascinating to have that perspective. I, uh, it's Being 50, I never have regretted getting older. It's not something that I really feel like, I don't know. I don't, I question, I wonder sometimes why some people have such episodes of seeming depression every time they have a birthday come and go. And, the only, and I think Julie's observation was the accurate one, that it's basically because you feel like you're letting things get by you, time get by you, opportunities get by you, and I don't feel that way, and that's definitely true. I don't. I mean, as I as we're sitting yeah, here. Yeah, me, me neither. And I, I have to say that uh, on my walk with the Bulldogs this morning, I was thinking this week more than – I feel this a lot all the time, but this week particularly – I had a lot of thank you past Tim and Julie moments. Yeah, me too. Um, because we're reminded, I, I felt that way with the earthquake situation, but now that with the whole coronavirus thing and people going, taking things online, um, you know, I'm, I'm very grateful to you in particular for having the thought that, hey, you know what? We don't have to do things just with events. We don't have to have, you know, everything's online. You guys have had access to all of our coaching material for years, and we're not scrambling like some companies are to figure out, gosh, how in the world are there people going to work remotely, or how am I going to get all my stuff online? I'm really grateful that we don't have to have that panic attack on top of worrying about stuff, you know? So I think the, that's pretty awesome. The Sunday debrief isn't about Julie and I giving a prepared presentation. We don't have any notes, but she just did say something that's just kind of interesting. I hope all of you guys consider adopting this. Be thanking past him and Julie. Basically, that's we do do that. It puts us in a state of gratitude, but really what it, we're doing is acknowledging the fact that our past uh, toiling has actually paid dividends now, and it does compound when you have long periods, and I do mean decades, of doing what you don't want to do and you don't want to do at the highest level. 
Um, I had almost an argument with somebody yesterday about whether you do or don't need passion to be successful at something. And you absolutely do not need passion to be successful at something. Um, what you have to do is you have to have passion for the results that come from doing um, that something. And a lot of people are confused about that. And that's definitely, Julie and I have always felt that way. And it's, again, this is one of those things that sometimes makes people mad. We have never had passion for selling real estate. Never had, there's, I, uh, coaching, there were some moments definitely where I felt, and I still do feel um, massively grateful. Individual coaching calls, things like that. And certainly the, in the business that we built and all this blah, blah, blah stuff. But the reality of it is, is that most days it's just like going into the coal mine. You know, you have to go every day, out, day down the coal mine with your little bucket and your pickaxe and your light, you know, and you cannot come back out of the coal mine until you've got your little bucket full of coal and that's it. And that's how we have um, gone from where we were when we got married almost 30 years ago, which was less than broke and living in a tiny little apartment on North High Street in Columbus, Ohio, to literally living at the Ritz-Carlton in Dorado Beach in Puerto Rico. And the experiences we've had over the last three decades, sticking to what we felt was true, even in the... I mean, honestly, guys, there was not a whole hell of a lot that was supporting the way our own business philosophy and really our own life philosophy. Nowadays, there isn't either. It's even worse. You know, how often do you meet somebody that has been married for 30 years where they met each other in high school? I mean, it's just not something you, it's not something you see anymore. How often do you see people that are truly self-made um, that aren't just, you know, it's just not something. And, and along the way, I'm not saying it's been a direct climb up the mountain. We certainly had moments of not having, like when we were first getting started and Julie and I were, we had a car cleaning and detailing business actually that we had in college. And, uh, and that was a great business. It was fun. And then we got into real estate right after that. When we were in our early 20s, we bought our first house when we were in college. Um, and it probably took, you know, yes, we are successful saying, selling real estate. But as far as the quality of life that we are experiencing, it wasn't that different than the people who had taken more traditional routes and, you know, had jobs and just were. As a matter of fact, I have to say they probably were having more fun, you know. Oh yeah, <laughs> they were. Definitely. I mean, when you're when you're self-employed, you're never not working. That's just a myth. You know, the antivirus software is constantly running in your brain. You know, it's true. And when you're selling roles, it just doesn't matter. Whatever business it is, there's no such thing as a business where you don't have to constantly. No, I think you feed. own it in a completely different way. Yep. Even if you're the world's best employee and you have enthusiasm for the company you work for, when it's your company you're working for, I, I do think that that's a different scenario mentally, emotionally, financially. It affects everything you do. I mean, we even now we have dreams about, I have coaching dreams sometimes, and I wake up and I think, wait a minute. <laughs> Didn't I just have that yesterday, the, some of those thoughts? We used to have, uh, you know, 3 a.m. real estate night sweats that we talk about sometimes. I don't know what Julie's talking about right now. What do you mean coaching dreams? I, like, you know, a coaching client has this situation. What are, what's the strategy to help them? Oh, I got it. Yeah. In other words, you're problem solving. Problem solving, sleep. absolutely. Yeah. And you wake up and you think, <laughs> and you feel like I tease you about getting sleep exhaustion because you're a better sleeper. But, you know, and in the real estate space, of course, we would always have, I remember thinking about, you know, termite inspections and all these things. And when we had ah. the detailing business, it was like, you know, what's the snowstorm going to do to our to our business? Because, you know, you could have a great run right up until about Thanksgiving and then the snowstorm would hit. And, you know, you got to have a plan for that. It's different than when you just go to work. 
so the the point of all this is that it took us probably how long do you think before you actually felt like we were seeing the benefit from all of our sacrifices it, it was at least a decade at least a decade yeah. i mean there were little things along the way we started to take some vacations now and then but in a significant meaningful way i'd say at least a decade yeah but julie everybody we knew i'm just thinking out loud here but everybody we knew from college and you know that we knew because we were living in the same town we'd grown up in yeah. was having a hell of a lot more fun going sure. on vacations they had spring breaks when you and i were working yep i mean you and i were working on holidays i remember selling houses mm. on you know easter and me too christmas eve and you know, all kinds our of things birthdays where people had paid time off. So it took weekends. a long damn time to really realize. But here's what had happened in that in that time period. I'm I hopefully I'm speaking to all of you guys because you're experiencing the same things. And those of you who are about to start your journey, um, you will experience it. I, I wish someone had told me it takes a hell of a lot longer than you think it should or think it will. Yeah. Um, and it just does because it just takes a long time for things to compound. It's not just money. But money is obviously a big well, part of it. It's education. It's education, learning. You yeah. know, you, you start to think that you know it all because you've done 100 deals. And lo and behold, something comes and smacks you in the face that you never thought of before. Yep. And then after 1,000 deals, something else happens. So, you know, it, it's about education and keeping your motivation and keeping your head screwed on straight. And, you know, that's a little bit different every day. Wealth accumulation, actually becoming rich where your money works for you and you no longer have to work for your money. That's been harder to do than anything else that we'd ever done before for, for sure i'd agree with that yeah because you have so many things that don't want you to be rich right i mean literally nothing is set up for you to be rich nope. the government doesn't want you to be rich the society doesn't want you to be rich uh nobody no <laughs> nobody you know it the whole thing is set up basically to keep you in a state of dependency by design probably i mean without sounding crazy but yeah i really think it's by design um and because when you're rich and, you know, when you don't have to, when you basically have enough money coming in more or less passively from different sources, which is what we teach all of you guys to do in our coaching program, when you get there and you you still have those pangs, as Julie called them, the real estate night sweats, or you still will have these moments where you're thinking about money, but then you realize you're, it's not really a concern anymore. It's just your old software that occasionally... But you have to remind yourself of yeah. that. That's not the first thought. That's the second thought. Or third. Right. Yeah. You've, you know, you're not going to prevent that. But I also think that that's a source of strength that you can process that and that you have that little reminder that, hey, you know what? You can't be asleep at the wheel. You can't be complacent. And, and that's, I think, why you're given those thoughts is as a little reminder. And I think that's why some people get a little weird on their birthdays, honestly, because it's a reminder of what you're doing or what you haven't done. You know, how much time you've got left to get it together and then keep it together. Nice closing of the loop there, sister, on the birthday topic. Thank I you. like that. That was very professional. Keeping track. Yeah, so we got our <laughs> shit together, people. We know what we're doing. Julie reeled that shit back in. See how quick she did that? I learned that from book stuff. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yep. Make the hey, chapter make sense. Hold on, I have to throw in a commercial. I can't help myself. It's okay. Make sure if you guys haven't purchased our book, Harris Rules, it's for sale at Barnes & Noble, but you can get it like in two days from Amazon, and I think it's cheaper on Amazon just between you and me. And our audiobook version of it is coming out later this year. I think the publisher's trying to get it out by Christmas. Um, yeah, so that's coming your way. And it's not, this is not a self-published book. We have a real publisher. We had, you know, the whole thing. So we're not in complete control. I had someone ask me yesterday, hey, Tim, I just enrolled in your coaching program. Can I have a free copy of your book? I'm like, well, I would give you a free copy of the book, but 
we sold the rights to the book, so we don't have the ability yeah. to give you. Matter of fact, how many free copies did they actually give us? It was like 50. Like 50. The, yeah. the last ones that I've gotten, I've ordered myself on yeah, Amazon. Exactly. I have which too. is a little twisted, but okay. Right, we're having to pay retail for our own book. Yeah. New book contract. We're going to have to be a lot smarter. Yes. Anyway, so we're, why am I telling you all this? Because there's an example of learning from the process, right? Exactly. <laughs> As I'm sitting here with Julie, and hopefully you guys can hear the waves, I'm thinking about. Uh, all the things that Julie and I and all the things that many of you have been through in the past however many decades you've been alive and then putting that in context with the coronavirus and trying to sort of like understand where it kind of lands on the scale of you know things to worry about and the coronavirus thing you know without really spending a lot of time on this because I really want you guys to listen to our podcast but the coronavirus thing is definitely has the potential to be something far, far, far more far-reaching and significant than, frankly, anything that's happened in our adult lives. I think that's true. What do you think? I definitely agree with that. Yeah. I think there's certain things that make that true, like the unpredictability of it, the um, you know worldwide nature of it, the economic nature of it. You know, I've been talking to coaching clients as you have all week. And there's two things you've got to separate. One is, you know, your actual risk and what you would do if you got sick and all of your plans, like on a very super personal level. But then there's the bigger issue, which is economically and financially, what what will be the results both going into it as well as coming out of it? Well, so Julie just touched on it. So let's summarize the health, the bottom line with the health thing. And what, how do I say this without sounding alarmist? I'm, I know we're going to get accused of wash base. your hands. Yeah, that's exactly. Wash your hands. Wash your hands and stay away from people. Okay, that's it. I had somebody actually. Julie and I have had uh, several people saying, "Hey, can I self quarantine with you guys at the Ritz Carlton, Puerto Rico?" <laughs> How do I say this politely? <laughs> Hell no. Do not no. come. Stay away. <laughs> yeah, there's a reason we're outside. Yes. And not in the gym. Well, I mean, we can talk about essentially what's going to happen from a governmental perspective, but just from a health perspective, guys, here's the reason really. And and look. There's hype not about the virus. There's hype about not believing the virus thing is real. So the hype is the exact opposite of what you think it is. The, the ramifications of the coronavirus are absolutely positively, the, and like we think, the most significant, possibly the most significant thing that's happened in our adult lives. And I'm talking more significant than all the previous recessions, more significant then the 07 through 09 housing crash, which people say is a recession, but you guys watch it in history will call it a depression. Um, more significant than September 11th, more significant than, you know, anything really. And you're going to see that this is going to have a long, forever changing impact on society. And we can drill down a little bit on that. But again, listen to our past podcast because frankly, I'm a little tired of talking about it. Yeah, me too. Yeah. But here's really the big takeaway you're probably going to get sick from it or you're probably going to know somebody that gets sick from it and you're probably going to be just fine it's going to be like a nasty freaking non-intestinal um virus and it's a like the flu but it's it's respiratory so it's not going to be something you're going to have to julie if you put it down there they're going to hear the wind so it's not going to be something you're going to hear uh from it's not something you're going to actually uh experience um, I'm sorry, Julie distracted me because she's not paying attention. One of our coaches wants us to do a um, 
a podcast. It's Rick wanting us to do a podcast with him about how small brokerages should be dealing with the coronavirus. So Rick, I'm just telling him yes. So Rick, well, no, we did Sorry. it. We did it. It's coming out today on our Friday podcast, so we you can just listen to that. So good point. Yeah, so already done. Small brokers and agents, if you're wanting to know what you should be doing, listen to the podcast that we did on Friday the 13th of March. There and you go. And also Thursday the 12th we had a series, so yeah. there's probably two or three of them. It tells you that our coach, our coach Rick does not listen to the podcast every day. <laughs> we'll have that conversation. That's what I just learned. <clears throat> well, so okay. as far as um, health things, it, you know, it's predicted, and if you're using other countries that are further down the, you know, if you're hearing kids play, it's because we're literally at a beach and there are kids playing over there. But other countries that are further along in this whole coronavirus thing. You know, you look at Italy. Italy is an example of how not to handle it. Um, you look at South Korea, that's an example of how to handle it. And then, of course, you look at China, and then you're looking at the rest of the world. So why is it that South Korea has not had a massive, continually increasing um, outbreak of this um, pathogen? And the reason is, is because they tested and they isolated. Whereas Italy has a janky healthcare system to begin with, and they did not do either. And there's and and also it's cultural too. This nobody's talking about this, and hopefully nobody thinks I'm being politically incorrect. But this is true. In Italy, in Latin countries, really in a whole, people are naturally more. They talk closer. They're more. They huggy. hug more. They, they kiss give more. you kiss more. And South Koreans and Asians are. They don't do that. They don't shake hands. They bow. So those types of things definitely have an effect on essentially what. Um, how fast the pathogen can and can pass, but in South Korea and a lot of the Asian countries, they have I forget what are those called the things you walk around the thermal um, meters that basically are looking for people that have elevated temperatures. Mm-hmm. They're isolating people. They're doing all kinds of things that are very draconian. Um, and in the United States, a lot of people are going to be um, freaked out when the U.S. government does the same thing because they will. And essentially, what it's going to necessitate is a lot of people giving up a lot of um, freedom. And in a temporary state of emergency, which you're going to be listening to this on Sunday, on Sunday, what would it be, the 15th, but you watch today on Friday, the 13th, you're going to see that today Trump is going to, nat- uh, it is going to be a national state of emergency, and the national state of emergency is going to then re- uh, react in such ways that you have never seen before. Do you remember after September 11th when mm-hmm. the airports closed down? Well, now you're going to see things that are even more far-reaching than that, because South Korea being the model... The only way to stop the spread of this pathogen is to literally stop humans from traveling. It's to isolate it. Isolate humans um, because the nature of this thing is not like the flu. The nature of this thing is not like the flu in the sense that there's no, um, you know, there's no antivirus. There's no way of basically getting a shot and have it you not get it. There's no vaccine yet. There's no vaccine. So it's predicted, and this is the scary part, guys, and I've heard differing reports on this, but half the people in the United States are going to get it. Now, again, you probably, you might get it, I might get it, and then what's going to happen as a result, you're going to have essentially a respiratory, you know, flu, and but then you're going to be varying degrees depending on your own situation. Right. But but the, the evidence that that is likely has now been proven. This is not speculation. This is based on how it's gone in other countries. And so you definitely have to be prepared. Not prepared in the in you know like go to Costco and buy twelve rolls of toilet paper. Go Just twelve? Well, because that's all they let that's you have. That's all I have. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you can even find Are it. Are they really limiting toilet paper? It, most of it's gone. I, I just totally don't understand <laughs> that. I mean, I don't know. But anyway, the point is that you've you've got to prepare. What do you, you know? I'm thinking about things like what if Zoe's going to be home from school for a month? You know, how am I going to deal with that? And well, let's talk about that in a second. Know, yeah, 
So as far as but it's it, real. Is it, my point is that this is not speculation. As far as the virus goes, and the real fear is the effect it's going to have on elderly people. So if you look at the same, if you just scale the percentages that are coming, that are known percentages that are accepted, about what percent of the people in a population are going to get it. If you combine like the the countries that are already a little bit further along in this path, you know, in this you know, contagion, and then you're going to see what percent of the people um, actually end up dying from it. And so if you just average out those percents and you apply it to the United States, you're looking at potentially, and this is where it gets really freaky, something like a million and a half people dying. And that's, in our lifetimes, nothing like that's ever happened before. Nope. That's what, now, okay, that's all, it's all baked in. It's at differing levels. And, and here's the funny part, too, and I know we're going to get criticized for this, and frankly, I do not give a shit. People are worried that this is some kind of politically motivated thing and that this is somehow, um, you know, a liberal attempt no. To make it so that Trump can't win, and you got to think about how does that even make sense? So, without trying to show our hand about what side of the political fence uh, we uh, lean, the reality of it is, is if the president can't get reelected because of the fact that the coronavirus has caused what inevitably will be a recession, because the the stock market's definitely in a bear market now. If he can't get reelected because of those, because of people are feeling fearful he shouldn't be president again because this is a time when a true leader is going to be able to step up and actually be the leader and not just essentially have people yeah. react. If so there it, was ever a time for it, I'm pretty sure this qualifies. Yeah. And, and frankly, if Joe Biden can beat Trump and, and, you know, given all his obvious shortcomings, then I mean, come on now, Trump needs to just go back playing golf and being on TV. I mean, that that's the reality of it. So for you guys to think that what we're saying is politically minded, it's really not, or that yeah. we're being politically manipulated we're not. The reality of it is this thing is real, and the health ramifications to people are going to be real. Now, that's not our wheelhouse. You guys can nope. read forever and ever and ever about all sorts of nastiness that's going to come nope. health-wise. But though it's not our wheelhouse, it is our job to remind you to get your sources from places like the CDC and the WHO and not from Facebook. Or so, CNN. Or CNN. Or Fox, or Fox. Step away from that crap and just go to the people who actually study it. That's right. So now that Julie's 49, she's throwing down the bad words like crap. Did you guys hear that? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. All right. So here's where our wheelhouse is. So what's the financial ramifications to all of you, our loyal podcast listeners? Um, And that's where it gets scary. So Julie and I, we have a fortunate number. We fortunately have a large number of people that are business owners uh, as friends. And a lot of them are hundreds of millions if not a couple of them are billionaires and we know them informally mostly from the gym here at the Ritz Carlton and we have gotten to have them have informal conversations with us about what they're seeing from their perspectives so they're not running it through a PR agency or trying to be filtered for the sake of you know shareholder values or anything like that and one of them said something I thought was very interesting he said that the reason one of the main reasons that you're going to see mass shutdowns of everything, even more so than what you're seeing now. You know, the NBA, the every sort of gathering of any sort of size anywhere in the world. It was 250 people or more, but you're going to see churches getting canceled. Schools are going to basically get canceled. You're going to see a huge, unbelievable number of things that you, like Disney World, guys, it's closed. I mean, it's yeah. closed. Um, and it's just getting started. He said the reason is, and he's on several boards, that he thinks that this is going to continue for some months to come, if not over a year, is because people, businesses are afraid to get sued. So if you're essentially providing a big event, 
of you know however many people and you had people uh, buy tickets and you don't cancel the event and without being you know you don't do it voluntarily fast and you don't give people people's money back and then people show up to your event and have and then they get sick as a result of going to your event there's a really great chance you're going to get sued and so what's unfortunately what's going to happen is a lot of people that are doing these big events are the hotels aren't going to release them from their contracts and most of the insurance that you buy event insurance you buy does not um, protect you from things like this acts of god and whatnot aren't protected you know so you're going to see a lot of events and like inman i mean inman basically is a, a business that's based on live events a lot of real estate conventions a lot of just everything you can possibly imagine is going to get canceled zoe's school our daughter's school your the kids your kids schools university colleges they're all going to close down because that's what has to happen that absolutely is not an overreaction. It's what has to happen. I'm glad Mall, it's happening. Malls are going to get closed. Uh, grocery stores are... I don't even know how else is going to work, to be honest with you. Who knows? But that's what's going to happen. And um, because they have to stop the spread. And, and they're going to follow the South Korean model, which is essentially over, <laughs> overreaching by the government, sort of draconian nature. And you're going to see essentially the U.S. economy and the United States on a whole be closed for business for quite some time. I was trying to answer the question, how soon do they think that they'll have a... What's it called? Uh, like a, a quarantine? No. What do you mean? A, a shot. Oh, a vaccine. A house, sorry. I'm, I'm 50 now, so I can have occasional lapses of right. uh, being able to remember simple words. You can words use like your vaccine. ask, Julie. I'm a year and two I, days younger. Yes, exactly. So far, so I good. Just, I just use my ask, I'm holding Julie. holding up. By the way, some people ask us whether or not I know how to speak Spanish, and I say I do not because my ask, Julie, knows how to speak Spanish. I'm getting there. <laughs> I use ask Zoe sometimes. Yeah, ask Zoe because she's learning better <laughs> Spanish. Yeah, you guys use Google. I got to ask Julie. So a vaccine is not supposed to be developed, best case scenario, for a year to 18 months. Um, so you're going to be looking at this thing unraveling for quite some time. And now, But here's where it gets really interesting. And this is what I'm fascinated by mostly. is behaviorally, how are people going to start acting and thinking differently? And it's really, it's all kind of like sort of guessing. What is that noise? Is that a kid? I don't know. That was a loud kid. a loud kid. one. That Maybe kid, one of the iguanas got him. That was louder than our kid. That's hard to do. Yeah, it is hard to do. We got the extra loud huh. version. <laughs> That's what we got. That's the reason we have to go here <laughs> to do our exactly. podcast on Sunday, to escape from the extra loud Zoe. Uh, but the, uh, yeah, so what's the, what are the business ramifications? Obviously, you can think, well, okay, if your business is predicated on essentially live events, you're going to probably have some problems. Yeah, that's true. If you're in the travel agent business, that's true. If you're, you know, any of those types of related businesses. But what about all the businesses that service those businesses? What about all the people? Um, you know, I keep on using the example because I think it's a really good one. Like, look where the uh, iPhone, Apple makes their chips in Austin, Texas. And if Apple iPhone sales slow down because in China they're not making the iPhones, um, what's that going to do to the local economy in Austin? See, everything is interconnected nowadays. And it is going to be so far reaching. And it's going to strike the economy worse than the housing um, reset did back in 07 through 08. There's no way it's not going to be worse because really the housing thing started in isolation with housing and then the banks. And well, then it's the domino effect, right? So yeah. you, you cancel South by Southwest and now all the hotels are losing their revenue. I think they said $350 million yeah. is spent in Austin during South yeah. by Southwest that's not going to be spent. Something and crazy like, like all of the, I mean, I think of just like the, the food truck people that surround that and the parking yep. guys and the, you know, the valets and it's just that ripple effect of it's not just the event it's what went with the event and it really pisses me off they canceled the opening race in australia for formula one i know 
That's horrible. It's an outrage. That's where I knew to take it seriously when I canceled the race. <laughs> no, you did. You were like, all right, now it's real. <laughs> no, it's real. And you know, Coach Rochelle, when she sent me that Columbus schools were closed, she's like, all right, something's happening. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, but look what it takes to convince some I people, know. you know, that... Well, anyway, that's because people are so ingrained. Well, nobody wants to believe that there's a worldwide pandemic. I mean, come on. Who wants to believe that? Well, it's because they don't have any personal perspective on what the yeah, hell that means. no comparison. And so they just try to latch on to what's familiar. And people are like so toilet con- paper. People are so conditioned <laughs> to try to uh, essentially um, look for... The skeptic ne- thing, right? Nefarious motivations for yeah. just virtually everything. But what you guys got to realize is that you're not... You're being manipulated... Because you are looking for the nefarious motivations. You think you're being smart, being a skeptic, but you're not. You're actually being manipu- manipulated into believing you're supposed to be a skeptic. Because what's that causes, what, what happens as a result of that is it's causing you to have this innate, everlasting mistrust. Which gets back to my, you know, that's, see, that's another, for example. That's what's going to happen. Those types of things all of a sudden become hard-coded into your way of thinking and your sort of software and it doesn't go away. And so it's like, you know, you can go back to other things. How does your thinking about, you know, you can pick your topic happen, change after 07, 08, 09? If you go all the way back to the 20s, people from the Great Depression. And there's so many examples. I was reading, actually, somebody wrote a great article. I sent you snippets of it yesterday. Mm-hmm. They were talking about different things going all the way back to like the 1600s. I saw that. Yeah. They also, interesting. they forever changed, not just... Um, small things like business, but they also changed like art and how mm-hmm. people were educated. It changed sometimes as a result of things like this, literal like fashion changes, people's yeah. expectations for how to live changes, lifestyles change, just all kinds of things happen. Well, you used a great example on the podcast the other day that the, the news, which used to be reporting what happened, period, became entertainment or opinion, opinion news, news yep. quote news, after 9-11. It wasn't like that until that event happened and we all got glued to our TVs and they all competed for our eyeballs and now it's completely different. That's, right. It's just an example everybody can relate to is why I use that. But I, I thought that was interesting. Like, what will be the upshot of all this? Will face masks be fashionable? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. What's the deal with that? Probably. Um, I think that... One thing I'm very interested in is the effect it will have on education when the entire country's colleges are closed. Yep. And everyone is still working towards that degree, but they're doing it online. Well, what, what will that do, especially when we see, hopefully, the success of those programs? You know, what does that do to higher education going forward? Well, look at, look at um, EXP Realty. And, um, okay, I just felt the skeptics, right? Oh, they're going <laughs> to try to recruit me the EXP. Well, yeah. if you think like that and you don't want to listen anymore, just stop listening. I don't yeah. really care. But here's the thought. If you look at EXP, they own a company called um, Verbella. And Verbella basically is their, uh, they call it EXP World. Well, look, if you're a business and you're not seriously considering looking into something like Verbella to put all your activities into a virtual environment, you're kind of dumb because... If you think, like, just from a broker's perspective, the amount of money that's spent just paying for the overhead of the office and the bricks and mortar and all the unnecessary expenses if you're a virtual business. And now, how does that not directly apply to virtually every business that's out there? It certainly does. If you're any kind of business, if you're not seriously looking at this as an opportunity to take your business virtually and to allow your employees to work from their houses virtually, you're really going to miss the boat. You're making an enormous mistake. 
<laughs> you guys hearing that? <laughs> so anyway, this is what happens when you record live at the beach. It's a small family discovering a mushroom. <laughs> it's a big mushroom. Hi. <laughs> so he collects those too. So what are they? That's are they actually, mushrooms? It's a fig from oh. that. Oh, it's a fig. Yeah. You want to run if it's knocked off the tree in this wind and hits you in the head. Judging by how opaque and and, and bright white those people are, I'm guessing they're from (laughs) a northern state. Yeah, they've probably never seen those. So discovering a fig on the ground is probably a big deal to them. It is. Yeah. It's like a museum find. It's like we are that that shade of nothing when we moved here seven months ago. I remember when we went to Palm Springs (laughs) in in the winter ages ago for some event, and we're like, how can there be these colors in January? Yeah, I know. What is this? The The mountains. That's what she's talking about. Yeah, it was crazy. Well, so anyway, that's where we our digress. minds go. It's like, look, look how, well, was that digressing? Digressing? A little bit. I don't we, think we that were is. distracted by the nice family and the yeah. stuff. Well, anyway. so anyway, if that's where you should guys, you should be thinking because the. Well, it, what will become normal after this? What will, will it be normal, normal to do right. all of your business online? Will it be normal for all closings to be virtual? Yes. Will it be normal to view a house and be satisfied that you saw it just using the videos, right. writing a contract? Right. What's going to be normal? How many, like the Oculus, I think Facebook owns that or something. I'm probably saying mm-hmm. it wrong. Where you have these 3D glasses that you Oculus, put on. Oculus, I think. Yeah, and you, and you can go on 3D tours. So what happens cool. is a lot of these technologies don't actually start to evolve or start to take hold until something like this makes them, uh, forces them to be front and center. So, for example, the Verbella thing that EXPI owns, that EXP owns. And when you think, well, okay, well, who needs a virtual, you know, maybe you're some big business and you have a lot of campuses and and they're, you know, it's commercial real estate and everyone goes there and it just is what it is. And that's the way it's always been done. Then all of a sudden there's a pandemic and half your employees are sick and you're worried about even forcing people to go to work because you don't want to get sued. You know, all these types of things basically change your perspective forever. And these are the types of interesting things that if you're looking for a distraction from all the drama, think like that. Think where, where are the opportunities going to be on the other side of this? How is business going to evolve? How is society going to evolve? Because it is. It's going to evolve in every way. People are no one. You know, I was reading another interesting article. Like millennials, they're having this uh, existential threat now for the first time in many of their lives. It's true. That because they, look, the, the wars have been going on for as long as many of them have mm-hmm. been alive. So they've, that's never really, you know. But this is going to seem like all of a sudden something that might be a real catalyst for them realizing yeah. that. You know, the nature of life is a little bit more fragile than That's maybe what they considered. interesting. I had thought about the whole millennial effect, you know, because you and I have had 9-11. So and we've had the res- several recessions. Yep. We've had earthquakes, you know. Um, that is interesting. This this Fires. could be a defining moment for them. But, you know, probably they're more prepared for the whole online experience. Sure. And that's a good thing. Yep. I was thinking about, you know, let's say that all of that is correct and we it, this is almost like a forced migration to being more virtual what happens to all that commercial space you know does that become you know like after the recession a lot of that commercial space became like live work centers and you know places where people could create things but it was split into like a big commercial building would be split into 80 little mini spots the nature of real estate can change it's not that it goes away it's just that you know maybe there's a whole new model that comes out i don't know maybe skating rinks will come back in fashion (laughs) those were awesome I loved that. <laughs> I never learned to skate. It's not surprised you me that you went to. to skating rinks. It, it was but fun. you know what's funny, Julie? Yeah. I had a coach or a real estate client. <laughs> yeah. So I had a real estate client who um, basically owned a bunch. I you remember this guy? It was one of the, it was one of the Schottensteins. Oh yeah. Those of yeah, you guys yeah. are from Columbus, Ohio. That's you right. know the Schottenstein name. They they own pretty much everything, or at least they used to. Mi Homes. Yeah. You know that stood for my. I think Meyer and Irving Schottenstein. You know. Anyway, 
So one of the Schottensteins was a um, real estate client of ours, and he had owned a bunch of those skating It's like rinks. USA Roller that's or something right, like that's that. Right. that. He owned a bunch of them. And if you guys are, many of you aren't old <laughs> enough to know what the hell we're talking it's about. such a 70s and 80s thing. It totally was. But just imagine a bunch of teenagers in bell bottoms rolling around on skates uh, every Friday and Saturday night with loud music playing and cheap popcorn. That's basically what I it was. I guarantee you my mom still has my white roller skates with red, white, and blue stripes on oh, the side. Dude, you're such a nerd. Seriously. <laughs> okay. So anyway... We what happened was is that he owned all these skating rinks, and after skating rinks basically became uh, passive, then what he do? This is a true story, guys. He basically turned all the skating rinks into Value City, um, sort of basically cheap furniture stores. And so he literally took all this commercial real estate that he had that was paid off, and then he started basically Value City furniture stores inside the actual places that used to be the skating. Yeah, rink. That's a great example. Of what I'm what I'm talking about is like, it's not that it it died completely it had to be reimagined into something that was relevant for the new times right. right he still had the commercial real estate now what is he going to do with it um you know you see that happening with some of the malls becoming like sports centers and you know now they're like indoor skating rinks and go-kart centers and stuff so i i think that the upshot of all of this is to know what's going on and to be flexible and as I was saying to many of our premier coaching clients all week, you know, we had different situations happening. Your answer has always got to be, yes, it would be my pleasure to help you with that and become flexible in what your solutions are instead of, nope, we've always done it that way. You got to be like my way or the highway and get stuck in your ways. Some of you guys experienced that in the last recession because you didn't change fast enough. So this is your opportunity to not act like that again. What Julie's touching on is the fact that where, you're, where it's easy to make a mistake is basically just going into your mental, emotional, and then eventually your financial cave and waiting for the clouds to clear and to think it's going to go back to the way it was. It's never going to go back to the way it was. Society is going to be forever changed. That's it. And don't even think anything opposite of that because then what's going to happen is you're going to waste op- uh, you're going to essentially waste tons of time and opportunity um, and effort and energy, which could have been used to basically help other people and, and make yourself money. That's what's going to happen. And that's what a vast majority of all of you are going to do. You're, you're sitting around waiting around for a vaccine to be created and for all of a sudden the government to walk in on its white horse and solve all your problems. It ain't going to happen. And by the way, just as a side note, um, if you think the government is going to ever solve any of your problems, you're really a fool. Because the government is not really designed there to solve your problems. It's not. It's, it's designed essentially for its own continuity at the end of the day. That's what it's become. You have to essentially be your own savior on your own white horse in times like this or any kind of time. Nobody is going to save your bacon. You have to always do it yourself. And again, this is how an entrepreneur and a business owner thinks. You cannot expect their kind of any kind of significant or, or everlasting or meaningful bailout from the government. Waiting is not a strategy. Waiting is not a strategy. Things are not going to go back to the way they were. They're forever going to be changed on a very core level, the way people see life, see their sense of safety, see crowds, really. you know. And th- th- it is fascinating when you think, just from a real estate perspective, how different ways agents are going to have to interact. Now, it all t- This is the other thing. There's going to be a, a global recession. It's going to affect the United States. Don't know what to love. You know, it's too soon to tell how deep the recession is going to go. We are in a bear market. Um, people who are feeling financially optimistic because the value of their stock market portfolios will not feel like that anymore. You're going to have a lot of people that are going to basically start pulling in the reins on uh, spending and not feeling optimistic. 
because at the end of the day, other than maybe toilet paper, there's not a single thing that's not sold emotionally. And if people are feeling fearful, if their dominant emotion is fear, they're not going to spend money. Nobody buys anything if they're not feeling a certain elevated state of optimism or anything. And I'm telling you guys, that's true. I mean, you can even make the argument that even toilet paper is sold emotionally. <laughs> After all, why else would you have this cute little Charmin teddy bear that was trying to make you... I don't even know what the correlation between cute little toilet bear and wiping your butt is. Or tar- He's soft. Bear. Soft, I guess. I, guess. I don't even... Comfort He's is what really they're trying to sell you. Com- <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, I mean, everything is sold emotionally. And if people are in a state of fear, if they're in a state of um, confusion, they are not going to be buying crap. And that's what's going to happen. And you're going to see yeah. people... This the, basically the default is to do nothing. Now... I'll tell you where we're going in our coaching business because we expect there to be an effect, but we're, our business was originally born, our coaching business was born in the late 90s, right before um, the tech bubble, which again is before many of you were born, frankly, and then it was rebirthed in 07. So our business is, was always formulated during tough times. And by the way, Julie and I only sold real estate in a buyer's market. We have never personally sold real estate in a seller's market. We have coached agents in a seller's market, but never sold real estate in a um, seller's market. So our software coding is always going to be going towards what we're talking to you guys about now. How to be opportunistic when other people are fearful. It's the old quote that Warren Buffett is often accredited or given credit for, which I don't think he said it, but you know, when other people are greedy, be fearful. When other people are fearful, be greedy. We're in the fearful mode right now. That's the way Julie and I were went back in 07 when we realized the world was being fearful. We decided to be, okay, where can we actually provide services to agents where it's going to actually help them through this really you know, rough patch in the economy and their own personal economies? And that's when Julie and I came out with the nation's first short sale program and then an REO program. That's when we really focused you guys in on giving you the tools that were necessary for you not just to survive the you know the rough patch, but actually thrive. And some of you took hold of that, and um, that's frankly where we met a lot of you originally, is because you were learning how to, you know, you were learning the tools necessary in the new market. We're going to be doing the exact same things as related to you know 2020, 2021, 2022. Because in our opinion, we're in a rough patch for probably a noticeably you know virus red led pandemic type rough patch for the rest of the year. This is going to probably be a gap year for the stock market. A gap year being it's not going to, if you're lucky, you're going to, you know, it's not going to get that much worse. It's not going to get that much better, but it's probably going to get worse before it gets better. And for the most part, real estate sales are going to be down. Lawrence Yoon from NAR mm-hmm. said, what, 10 or 15 10% he's predicting so, down. So assume he's off by yeah. half. So it's probably going to be more like a 20%. Yeah, but, what, but that's not 100%, guys. That doesn't no. mean things are going to stop happening. Right. So let's talk about what's happening now for them based on our coaching calls and on our premier coaching calls and just what we're hearing and seeing. Right now, by and large, unless you're in a hotbed of the virus, like Seattle and parts of Massachusetts are a good example by and large, things are pretty much business as usual. The deals are happening. You're not having a lot of fallout. There is a little bit. I've seen a few deals, and it's not every call, okay? There are some deals that have come unglued because of uh, people using uh, stocks as their down payment, for example. For people working for Korean companies or travel companies where they're no longer confident about their jobs. But it is absolutely not system-wide, okay? Now, we are on the very early days of this, and I would expect more fallout more drama so what we're coaching you guys to do right now 
is to at least 50%, maybe even double your magic number of listings, because not all of them are going to work out. Your team, yep, for commercial, you know. I know, it's okay. So they don't know what magic number of listings is. That's back to you. Okay, so if you guys, <laughs> she, you got, Julie has a tendency to go into coaching mode because she thinks she's speaking to the converted, and I have to, You're right. I have to remind her that not all of you guys are the converted. So um, magic number of listings is the number of listings you need at all times to meet or exceed. Actives. Actives, right? Um, and so that formula is part of the real estate treasure map. And if you guys want to get the real estate treasure map, well, you better sure as heck get it fast. Just text the word Harris, H-A-R-R-I-S, to 31996. Get started there, guys. And that's going to give you essentially a, a very succinct business plan and how to move forward. Um, and then, you know, yeah. so what Julie is saying is absolutely true. And I obviously we're hearing this from our thousands of coaching clients around the country. We have coaching clients in Canada, United States, and it is early days. We did hear a lot last week of people yeah. having to, it's like a combination of the holiday objection, you know, I'll wait, I'll wait till after the holiday. Conversations are starting to happen. Yeah, and combined with the conversations that we are having to show people how to work through, script them through, mm-hmm. back in 07 where buyers were worried about catching a falling knife. So you have sellers not wanting to put their houses on the market because they're fearful, and you have buyers that are, you know, fearful of buying something. And all the while you have these ridiculously low interest rates, which are supposed to go even lower. Thank goodness for that. So Yeah, thank goodness for that. So there's a lot of you know confusion and consternation in the marketplace and that's just going to get worse you guys just again not worrying too much about your feelings the fact is is that none of you listening have any clue on how to basically deal with a market like this we do we've done it before many many times this is where we cut our teeth not just really in real estate but also in coaching and so what we're going to do is we're going to amp up the product of premier coaching we're going to take it to the next level and we're going to dust off um, the short sale program. We're going to dust off the REO program. We're really going to help you guys drill down on the tools that will be necessary six to 12 months from now. Yeah. The variety of deals that you'll be handling is changing already. It's not always going to be a slam dunk, multiple offer close in two weeks type of scenario. You're, I'm already hearing conversations where agents are a little bit nervous about talking about more inventory coming I'm seeing two and three time expireds instead of just one time expireds in certain markets. I'm hearing about, uh, you know, just general skittishness and nervousness. You guys are having to learn about pre-qualifying at a more in-depth level and know where people's down payments are coming from. You know, your skill level is already, just in the past two weeks, having to increase the variety of conversations and the flexibility in your deals is already increasing. Now, again, this does not mean that everything is going to die. You, you, you know, you're going to have people who have to sell, who are motivated to sell, buyers who are excited about what they're buying. You just need to have more leads, more appointments, and more listings. What you guys, what you guys don't realize, because many of you, again, haven't sold in a real market before, a real market's basically where it's a buyer's market, is that no matter what's going on with interest rates, no matter what's going on in politics, no matter what's, and that was not a beer can, that was my Diet Coke can, <laughs> no matter what's going on in the world, you're always going to have people that have to buy or sell real estate. And so what you're going to have to really learn how to do is ask questions and use a scripted approach to your business. And then you're going to have sellers. A lot of you have taken listings because you had social contacts with them. Those mm-hmm. of you who are centers of influence and past clients base, you guys are going to have your asses handed to you if you don't actually have skills to back it up. Because you're so used to people basically giving you listings just because you've been friendly and gave them pumpkin pies. And because they're making a lot of money when they sell. That's right. If and it's you, easy. You don't, yeah, that's right. And if buyers or sellers are just going to choose whoever they like the best. But in a market like this that we're going into, they're going to choose the agents that they know can get the job done based on their ability to get the job done based on their skills. 
And, and a lot of you, and I already know this is going to happen, there's nothing I can say or do that's going to change your behavior. A lot of you are going to wait until it's too late. You're going to basically wait until you get kicked in the head a few times until you're on your heels financially, and then you're going to say, I need some coaching and I need some help. That's what always happens, and I'm not going to even try to change your behavior because I know it's a waste of time. But for the smart amongst you, you're going to get ahead of this, and that's where we're thinking, and that's where we've always thought. That's what one of the key differentiators between um, Julie and I and virtually, I mean, every frankly, other than you know, a lot of the top-level entrepreneurs that are our friends, is most people are only thinking about today and maybe tomorrow and maybe next week, or if you're lucky, maybe next month. We're thinking like three steps ahead. And it's easy for us because we've done it for so long. And what we're telling you is without a shadow of a doubt, this Carnova... Carnova? Close. Corona. Corona. I know. (laughs) This coronavirus is going to basically create a ripple effect that's going to be last that's going to last for the rest of our lifetimes and even more. It's going to change the very fabric. It's going to change your core level root uh, software and how you think about things. And all your consumers and all your buyers and your sellers and the way everybody does business. So accept that fact. Right. Don't fight it. The longer you fight it, the further behind you're going to fall. That's right. And the longer you try to hope and pray that things are going to go back to the way they were, the more you're going to suffer needlessly. And then what's going to happen is you're going to burn through your money. Your buyers and sellers are not going to do business with you because you're essentially not skilled up enough to basically help them in a changing market. I mean, the reasons that you need to be taking this opportunity seriously is, let me just put it this way. If you wait six months from now, and let's say six months from now, things are actually even worse than what Julie and I are predicting are going to happen. So six months from now, I mean, Tony Robbins came out uh, today, and he's sounding exactly like Julie and I. Now, we've been talking like this for two weeks, and so maybe Tony Robbins is listening to us, (laughs) right? But the reality of it is, is if six months from now, things are a thousand times worse, travel uh, there's a travel ban domestic air travel is where is is blocked there's food shortages there's riots in the cities people are who knows what it's some sort of dystopian shit show what would you have wished you would have done today if you know that's happening six months from now if your reaction or if your first thought was buy handguns you know um build a wall around your house you're going to be the one that suffers the most because that's not where your mind needs to go. Where your mind needs to go is you need to be thinking about how can you be of service to people that will be emotionally reacting like your initial reaction and don't allow yourself to be pulled down in that foxhole. Get up and be ready, be forward deployed, being ready for battle. And the only way you're going to do that is through your education. The only way you're going to do that is how you are able to control your thinking and so you don't be lulled into a state of fear. I promise you everything around you is going to want you to be fearful. The government's going to want you to be fearful because the government loves you being fearful because it gives them an opportunity to see. And I do not care, conservative or Democrat, it does not matter. What the government lives and thrives on is power and control. And what they're going to do is they're going to use this opportunity just like they have every crisis in, in our lifetimes to seize more control and more power over your liberties. And you will give them up because you'll think that the government's making you safer. And maybe in the short run, it's an effective idea. But here's what the government does is they don't give it back. So you're going to essentially be lulled into the state of believing that someone else is going to take care of you and it's never going to happen and you're going to suffer for it and you're going to only have yourself to blame for it. You have to learn what's necessary, not just to survive, but thrive in this upcoming market. You're going to have to really drill down on your own emotions so that you don't operate out of state of fear. When your school, when your mosque, when your church, when everything else is being canceled around you and everybody else is panicking, you need to rise above it. You need to think 
I wonder how many of these people are going to be a state of having to sell their houses and whether or not I need, you know, maybe the local employer that provides, um, you know, chips for, you know, iPhones is going to start doing layoffs. The government's going to come out with lots of programs. You know, you're going to hear a payroll tax holiday for the rest of the year. There's word that the government is going to supposedly be sending out literal, you know, thousand or two thousand dollars to every American. You're going to see all kinds of things. Interest rates are going to go down. The reason that that's happening is because it's a reaction to the fact that the economy is going to slow down. Uh, companies are going to start being fearful of essentially having how they're going to keep their lights on, and then they're going to start naturally starting to lay off people. And when that happens, what's going to happen? How many people have months worth of savings? None. Most people are no they have no savings. And again, we talked about this last week on the podcast, so if you want to listen about what we think is going to happen next, just listen to past podcasts. You have to be rising above that in anticipation of what's going to happen. You know, if, we're, if we're wrong, and let's say things are you know, 50% worse, not 1,000% worse, won't you be glad that you took precautions now? I mean, what's your worst-case scenario when you take action? You have more listings. You have more closings. All is good. I hope we're wrong about all this. Yeah. I, don't, I, I think you know, nobody really knows but you've got to plan for the worst and hope for the best and take action now. Be the leader. I think it's a huge opportunity to be the leader. When you see some really kick-ass program that a bank comes out with that's an even lower interest rate, you better be posting that on your social media and calling all of your past clients' center of influence and asking them if that's for them. I mean, it's a huge opportunity. It's, it's like, you know, you're going to be handed things to talk about that you didn't have before. If you're in a market where FISBOs have been selling themselves, those guys are going to be begging oh, for your yeah. help. I'll tell you what I think is interesting to see how it sorts itself. All these iBuyers that are basically operating out of borrowed money in essence, they're yep. screwed. The iBuyers did not, I promise you, model in a global pandemic no. <laughs> when they were taking well, when they were borrowing uh, money and getting, you know, essentially corporate bonds and whatnot. Those guys are not going to be able to meet their debt requirements and they're going to be screwed. And you're going to see all these iBuyer models evolve into something else. Mm-hmm. They're not going to be completely go away they're going to evolve into something else. All these things that are going to take place where as a practical, tactical thing, um, after you, you know, again, listen to last week's podcast. And after you listen to last week's podcast, we give you some practical and tactical things you should be doing. Here's a, you know, a hint, always put your own mask on first, but beyond that, you better be learning how to go after expires. You better be learning how to go after sellers. Focus on sellers, guys. Focus on building your listing inventory. Focus on knowing how to pre-qualify people to focus on, again, the sellers that have to sell. When you, it does not matter what happens to the market. If you have 10, 20, 30 motivated sellers, you will be right as rain because there's always going to be people yep. buying real estate at the right price. There are always going to be sellers and that have to sell. those listings will generate the rest of your business. That's, That's right. why we call it the magic number is because every business has a magic number of listings that will throw off enough business for you to meet or exceed your goals, not just now and then, not just one quarter of the year, but month in and month out. That's why you got to pay attention to this. But focus, as Tim said, on your motivated sellers. You're going to have a lot of people that have to sell. You're going to have people that are downsizing because they're freaking out and they don't want that kind of expense. That's right. Don't double down on dumb. What do I mean by that? I love that. Don't double down on I dumb. Know. Dumb is the things that you've been trying to do during what should have been, the, what will be remembered as the greatest seller's market in the history of all of our lifetimes. If the social networking and becoming the mayor of your town and the fancy website did not actually lead 
to um, you know absolutely positively lead to real estate transactions in a market like that, it's not going to now, and you need need to stop doing it. The market that we're entering into isn't going to be about who's the show pony and who has the best social network and who creates the cutest TikTok dance and all this other goofy bullshit. What it's going to matter now are the people that have the skill set to solve the problems. Is that going to be you? Or are you basically going to ignore what we're telling you and you're going to basically go back and, you know, you're going to figure out how to, you know, make a bunch of new social networking posts that are real cute and clever that are trying to, you know, all the silliness you guys have been doing. It's insanity. And all the coaching programs and all the gurus that have arisen since the, you know, 07. All the silly things that have happened, they're all going to wash out now. The, the tide, as I'm looking at the ocean, is going to go out, and you're going to see that all these ideas were just only designed for a seller's market, and none of them are going to work. Now, a lot of you, have you treat some of these things almost like a religion, and you're offended by what I just said. And I'm talking about brokerages. I'm talking about teams. All of you guys are going to be in for a massive reset because your overhead's too high, and you don't have business models that are designed for a market like this. You're going to suffer needlessly if you wait even a day. What's What we're predicting is going to happen is not just Julie and I guessing. It's based on actually what's happening in the rest of the world. It's going to happen. It's going to be more severe and more far-reaching than what you've experienced back in the housing crisis. We want you to overreact. We want you to be a little bit scared right now so that we can shock you out of being complacent. You're, a lot of you are complacent. I know you're still, I can feel it. You're fighting. You know what they're saying? What we're saying. Well, I haven't had any of my deals fall apart. That's right. Oh, that must only be an XYZ I market. I, my last deal had 10 offers on it. That's right. That's a lot of you are saying, aren't you? Well, again. Guess what? We heard that in 2007, too. We did. I'm not Pollyannic. I know a majority of you aren't going to listen to what we're saying, and you're going to think we're loons, and you might even say bad stuff about us. That happened back in 07. But you know what? We're right. And I'd much rather you move past the skeptical sort of overly analytical, you know, protectionist mindset and move right to how you can be of service to other people and how you can actually arise to the, essentially rise to the occasion, but be the person that in your marketplace truly has the skill set. Look, guys, early movers always dominate a changing market like this. Those of you who learned how to do short sales back in the day. I was just thinking that. Some of you made a fortune. Those of you. Zario agents, man. They had it nice for a while. Yeah. And that was a great wave to ride. For like five years. It was amazing. And a lot of you guys who, we, when we started talking about REOs in 08, you got, oh, REOs, I'll, I'll work on that Who'd next year. Who'd want to list that crap? I'll work on next year. And <laughs> then totally like two years that. later, you were begging for REOs and the, and the ship had already sailed. That's yep. going to happen That's right. again for virtually everything you know. And how many of you are going to sit around and say, you know what? I'm going to go and make a cute TikTok video where I'm going to be dancing around a bunch of toilet paper and whatever other things you... It's My job is to be creative and entertaining. No, it's not. Your job is to solve other people's problems. That's what you get paid for. So you're focusing on the wrong things. And you have been for a long time. Don't wait for hardship to hit your shores for you to realize what we've been saying for over a decade is right. Well, the hot market covered up a lot of that. Yeah, of course. I mean, they got away with with more than probably they should have because the market covered your butt. You could could be a really terrible pricer in the past market and you'd still sell a house. Yep, that's right. And you, you actually think that parties sell real estate, don't you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, you guys oh my gosh, there's a whole generation of them that have had it so nice for the past like 10 years, you know, that they think negotiating is choosing a contract. That's right. They do. And a lot of you think that you're going to not be in the business. In I feel months, afraid for six. you. If I, that's we do. You. Yeah, you're going to wash out. You know, and so what I would be doing now is I would be, li- I would be allowing, if I were in a state of complacency and doubt, what I would do is I would allow the fear and panic to awash me. Uh, 
quickly and then get it over with and then move to action. Yeah. And the action are obviously learning what to do in a market like this. And the next thing I would do, as practical and tactical as I can be and self-serving as this is, I would absolutely join eXp Realty because they're virtual, so you probably won't have to go to anything and get sick. That's it's not very people Yeah, right? And you're going to have technology provided for you. Your caps are going to be less. You're going to put more money in your pocket. So eXp Realty is designed for a market like this. And if you guys want to talk to me about it, just text me directly at 512-758-0206. I encourage all of you to reach out to me about joining Julie and I's team at eXp Realty at 512-758-0206. I'd love to talk with you about it. It's a fit for all of you if your minds are open to it. That's for sure. So, Julie, it's been an hour. Yeah. I enjoy sending these uh, sessions with you. It's yes, fun. you too. We it's got a little ranty. An adventure. I don't like how ranty know. we got. It's, it's been one of those kind of weeks, right? Yeah, don't you feel it's, obligated to be a little ranty? I do. I, you know, I go back to the uh, the epidemiologist that we were listening to, making sure we had our facts straight. And and somebody asked him that, you know, how how you know concerned should we be? And he said, look, if I was a meteorologist and I knew there was a hurricane headed for you, and I didn't warn you and I didn't advise what you should be doing right now and that hurricane smacked you in the head you'd never listen to a single thing I said in the future and my career would be over that's the self-serving part of it but I'd also be massively out of integrity with you wouldn't I if yep. I knew it was coming and I didn't even mention it yep. and, and that resonated with me because I, I don't like this this level of drama I'm very drama adverse you know that it stresses me out I don't like thinking about all this on a personal level a business level financially emotionally mentally I don't like any of that especially at your old age now Hey, you remember, you're still using Ask Julie. I got to charge more for that. (laughs) (laughs) The point is that, you know, yeah, it's been a tough week, but I think that we would be horrible podcast people, horrible coaches, and really out of integrity if we didn't have, at least now and then, a rant for their own good, because I am concerned about their well-being in the future. We are. I am. And I I don't want to see you guys go through that needlessly. You don't have to. You don't. And so there it is. So, guys, look, hopefully you enjoyed today's. I, I, I really think we should. I mean, how could we have been more casual and talk about I this? You can't. I, I think next week's podcast will circle back to some you mindset know what? stuff. I, I think I've come up with a new conclusion. What's that? So our previous Sundays at the beach have been more casual. We've been less, you know. Yeah. In coaching mode. I think we need to set aside the can of Diet Coke and start drinking wine. Next week. You're on. <laughs> We'll so notify the authorities. Sunday, su- Sunday debriefs at the beach starting next week. That's right. We're going to be, um, I'm not saying drunk, but we will be. We'll be more we'll chill. Be, we'll be better lubricated. We'll be more, what do we tell Zoe all the time? Suave. Suave. That's right. Spanish for <laughs> calm <Chill>. is chill. <laughs> or is suave. So we'll be more suave. Yeah. We'll hope. But honestly, a week from now. Maybe not. I yeah. A week from now, it's even going to Who knows worse. what's going it's to happen. Truth. Yeah. Monitor it. It is the truth, though. A week from now, it's even going to be worse. I know. you got to stay frosty. Yep. Take care of yourself. Take care of your down, people. They're going to be shutting down airports. There's going to be National Guards already going to be issued. You're going to see National Guard uh, at... Uh, they're They're going to start putting up... I think it's know, already... I know it's already happening here in Puerto Rico. States are going to close yep. their borders as much as they can. Yeah. Airports, that's how states are going to close their no, borders. But you know what? Here's one way to look at it. These guys are going to save a lot of money because they're not going to all these crazy parties. <laughs> they're not going to blow it on a cruise ship. There's, you know, this is yeah. a great opportunity to save. You remember the term staycation? Staycation. Yeah, You're there right you there, man. And all of you guys that are my secret agents that are all introverted. Oh, I, you know, I don't like to leave my house. Well, there you go. The market just handed you a good reason. to. But here's the thing. Stay on the phone. None of you have an excuse that you used to use. Oh, I can't get a hold of anybody. That's gone. Julie and Talk I are, to your people. Julie and I are naturally antisocial. 
we always have to talk ourselves we're a little. Fine. Yeah, Our we're fine. Like, we're like, for like 10 finally years. a socially acceptable <laughs> excuse not to go to parties and have to right? hang out with people. It's, it's great. It's like perfect. It's awesome. So if you're naturally an introvert, <laughs> you just, probably won't even feel a difference. You'll be like, thank God, I'm no longer a freak. I know, right? Uh, all we need is our headset and a cell phone. That's it. Or in our case, a cell <laughs> a phone microphone. and a couple of lavaliers. Yep. We're all right. good. All right, guys. In the ocean. And That's next right. week in a glass of wine. Right? There you go. So there you go. So hopefully you guys got something from this. The bottom line is put your own mask on first. Stay forward focused. You got to think three steps ahead and do not expect anyone to have your back. Obviously, we're doing our best too. But most people are going to be act- operating out of uh, outdated software, thinking that the way they think about certain things is going to be the way it's happened in the past, and it's not. We're in a totally different time. This is a generational shift. I want you to open your minds to it, accept it, don't fight it. And then, you know what, guys? Be of service to other people because that's going to put you at a place where your ego doesn't attract more fear to you. And you can actually then start realizing that the greatest fortunes of man, the greatest fortunes in the history of mankind have always been made during the greatest times of change. And we're in one of those times now. So, Julie, I want to end today by saying happy birthday. I love you. Thank you. Happy birthday. I love you, too. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.